What's going on, folks? And welcome to another episode of Thoroughbred Teamsters Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Rich from Northern California's Local 315. Uh, thanks for tuning in. I appreciate it. Um, I, I, I see the listeners going up with every episode. I've, I've had my, my peaks and valleys, but I, I really think that with where I'm about to take this podcast, at least for the next several episodes, I, I hope you find it as fascinating as I did learning about it and researching it. This is this is stuff I've been reading about, learning about, studying actually for like about the last year, year and a half. Um, not these specific stories, but these the, the things like I discussed in this episode, I've just kind of come up over the last few weeks and I, you know, while, while looking up some other stuff. So, you know, with, with this episode, what, I'm, what I do is I kind of, I, I discuss briefly uh, a couple historic strikes. I, I discuss one from ancient Egypt and I discuss another one from 1786 uh, during the colonial times. And I, I just kind of briefly discuss those and what what I try to do with this episode is set it up for the next episode, which is where I'm going to be working from the book, A History of America and Ten Strikes by Eric Loomis. And I, I've already wor- read the first strike, um, fascinating stuff, and I, I, I just, I hope I can do that book justice and, and I'm able to translate it to podcast format, at least for me. I, I know it can be done. <laughs> I just hope I'm able to, you know, kind of give that book the respect it deserves, you know, because it, it is, you, you kind of, through each strike, you, you see kind of what kind of molded our labor rights today. So that, that's kind of where I'm going with this episode. That's what's going to lead up to the next episode. And I, I, I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, if you got any comments, feedback, shout outs, anything, uh, you know, hit me up, NorCal Teamster on Twitter. NorCal Teamster on Snapchat, all one word, N-O-R-C-A-L-T-A-M-S-T-E-R. Hit me up, let me know, love hearing from you guys, and let's get it started. Now first, let me preface this by saying by no means do I consider myself a teacher of any sort. I do consider myself a student of labor, but not a teacher. I've learned, I've witnessed, I've experienced I, I, a lot of things, you know, being a teamster for 19 years and a lot of those things, I just wish everyone knew. I wish, you know, everyone could experience, you know, what I've, what we've all seen and experienced because when you start to share those moments and and share what you've learned, that's what kind of gets people into it. You know, um, I've learned, you can't just expect the new members, the young members to just be like, Oh yeah, I'm in a union now. Dude, many of them don't care, don't realize, don't understand how important it is. So, you know, that, that's kind of the purpose of this podcast is to to start sharing the things that I've learned, hoping something resonates with with not only you guys or, or maybe you guys learn something and you share it with the younger, newer members and just kind of start to 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 let them know where we come from, you know, where we're headed. And, and that's what these next few episodes are going to be about is just kind of like where we've come from. Um. You know, just just as a reminder, you know, those of us that are all part of labor unions, if you're not part of a labor union and you're listening to this, labor unions work to increase wages and improve working conditions for working people. And when those needs aren't met and every avenue has been used, 
that is when the strike is, is, is used. And, and that is our last resort. That's our, that's our, I don't want to call it a weapon, but it's, 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 most, it's what's most effective, but can cause the most harm if not executed perfectly, if not executed well. Um, and I, I think I've mentioned this before, but, but I am a firm believer that in order to know where you're going, you got to know where you come from. And that's even including labor history. Now, uh, three of the more historic strikes that I am familiar with, but I don't have any plans on doing episodes on, uh, go figure, is the PATCO strike of 81. And what PATCO was, was the Professional Air Traffic Controllers Organization. And they were their organization was actually broken by the Reagan administration. That one, uh, that, that, that was a bummer. Um, you know, it's kind of hard reading about these people's stories in a book and then come to find out that you know that they they had to you know families to support and families to feed and they failed um uh same goes with the arizona copper mine strike of 83 uh that one lasted several years and it actually resulted in the replacement of most of those striking workers and the desertification of their unions uh another you know reading that book i i had no idea what the end result was going to be and when I got to the end, it was, it was like, it, it really felt like a blow. Like, I really thought these guys were going to win. I mean, it, it was, it was a battle. And, you know, it just kind of, it, it was a bummer to see that, I mean, these guys gave it everything they had and, and, you know, they were just bamboozled by the company, by the politicians in their state of Arizona. Uh, you know, it was, it, it really was, you know, gut-wrenching to to finish that book because i really thought they were going to win and then the the third strike I'm, I'm most familiar with is the ups teamster strike of 97 and that one lasted a couple a uh, little over two weeks and it had an estimated 185,000 teamsters hit those picket lines for those two weeks and from what i hear it, it got pretty close to you know who was going to flinch first and and fortunately for for us teamsters the company flinched first so you know victory for us on that one but um th that was before my time and uh you know just th these are the kind of things that i feel like when we get in depth into you know you kind of hear about them i'm hoping that you know i kind of spark a fascination with you guys that was sparked with me when i started hearing about these and learning about these strikes but like i said we're going to go into even some more historic strikes that had more historic significance you know, before these strikes, which were considered more recent, you know, coming from the 80s and 90s. So, um, you know, just kind of moving forward, let's, let's get a little bit more historic perspective of the strike and the use of these strikes. Now, before those three strikes that I just mentioned, you know, the Teamsters, the United Steelworkers, and PATCO, you know, strikes go back for not only hundreds of years, but, you know, from what I found, from what I learned a couple thousand years, several thousand years. Um, you know, the the earliest known record of a strike was in 1159 BC, and, and that was against the great Egyptian pharaoh Ramses III. Um, I, I do remember learning about the the Ramses pharaohs from back in the day in school. Um, of course, there was nothing of a strike mentioned, but I could honestly, I, I got to admit, I don't really remember much learning about Ramses. Um, but you know, when I was kind of researching these strikes. Uh, the last few weeks, I, I you know, I, I was shocked to kind of learn that there is actual documentation from that time period of 
his workers, his, his skilled elite craftsmen striking against him. Um, they, they seem to be upset that he was 18 days late on a payment and he wasn't a, from, from what I've you know read, he's, he's not a tyrant of any sort. He's, he, he, he didn't come off as evil or hated his people. He really came off as a caregiver of his people. And I, I didn't really, couldn't really find why he wasn't paying these people. Cause I guess, you know, when you're royalty at that time period, you're not really having people write bad stuff about you. <laughs> So, you know, there was, I couldn't find why he wasn't doing this. He, from what I did learn, he, he seemed to be shocked that his workers felt this way. But man, no matter what time period you're from, if you're 18 days late on receiving your paycheck, you're going to be upset. So, you know, these, these guys kind of rallied and made it clear to him that, that he was unhappy. And even though he tried to give him what he could, you know, some barley here, some pastries there, it just wasn't enough to what they needed to feed their families. So, you know, from what I learned, that, that strike lasted up to three months, and, and there was no record of how it ended. But, you know, the historians believe that it ended, you know, peacefully because it, they just they couldn't find no documentation that said otherwise. They, they do feel if these, these workers felt bad and, and, and went out to, you know, harm this pharaoh, that he would have, it, it would have been documented some way. Um, but that that's just a belief, no facts on that one or nothing. So, you know, it, it these strikes go back, what what I say, 1159 B.C. And, uh, you know, I, I don't have anything between then and the colonial period, but that sets up my next historic strike just briefly on the Ernie, early colonial settlers in New England. With this segment, what I'm going to do is I'm going to set up the, the the next historic strike that I'm going to talk about that's going to actually going to close out this episode right here. And that strike is the Philadelphia Printer Strike of 1786. Now again, 1786, that's a, I mean, those are technically, they're still living in medieval times pretty much, medieval methods. I mean, no technology, I mean, the Industrial Revolution hadn't hit yet, uh, you know, no electricity, you know, I mean, I mean, everything was done manually and done in their homes, everything they did, you know, uh, and it was, it was a time where even those workers, those skilled tradesmen that, you know, did belong to unions, and back then they were called guilds, they were, they were far and few in between, and they were really not viewed positively by anybody. Um, unions weren't considered respectable back then, and, and, and many were even considered criminal cartels, not only by, you know, society, but by the courts of law. And, and this is because, you know, the, their tactics consisted of intimidation, threats, vandalism, and violence. Um, and, you know, th those, those type of tactics have continued throughout history i would say not so much as recent history at least not from what i've seen or learned i mean it happens but you know throughout the ninth throughout the 1800s the 1900s the mid 1930s 40s 50s you know and and as i mentioned with that copper strike um you know violence did take place in many strikes so you know i, I get it but again that's 
that's just how they were viewed. Um, again, the, this was a young America. Uh, it was all frontier land, you know, farm dominated, and it was just still so unexplored. So what that did was those who were skilled in their labor, their demand was high. So they were able to charge twice as much in America than what they were in England. Again, they were far and few in between. They, 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 I mean, supply and demand, you know, if, if they're in high demand, they're going to raise their prices a little bit higher. And, and people weren't happy about that. People, you know, the customers, the employers, you know, at those, those eras, they, they weren't happy about that. And they, they kind of, they wanted to control what those wages were going to be. Now, many of these guilds, um, you know, it's, it's hard to be part of a union in, say, a, a rural area. So, you know, if you're only having a residence live one family every, what, I don't know, let's just say a thousand acres. I mean, it's not like there were exactly a bunch of neighborhoods back then. But, you know, the larger cities like New York, Philadelphia, Boston, Charleston, Baltimore, uh, I believe those were like the five largest cities back then. That's kind of where these guilds were more prevalent. And that allowed them to have considerable power in these larger cities. And, and, and that truly was the beginning of what our early 19th century trade unions would become. Uh, they, they really set it off. Uh, they worked collectively, e even if they weren't the same trades. Like, they might be part of the same guild, but they, they might not have been involved in the same trades. But they, they had to stick together collectively to, to ensure that they were going to be paid what they felt they deserved to be paid. Um, you know, these were apprentices, journeymen, and, and workers of carpenters, printers, shoemakers, tailors, and hat makers. And, and like I said, you know, close this episode out with the printer strike. So, you know, we're getting close to, to that, uh, and, and let's get ready. Now, now this strike, this is known as the first strike of American workers. Uh, again, our country was born in 1776, and this strike occurred in 1786. And, and these workers, they voted to stand out for a specific wage and to provide mutual assistance in maintaining it. So this, this is where they, they banded together. You know, that, what, what, what I kind of think about when I, when I think about them organizing each other is, again, their technology was pretty much non-existent when it came to communication. What, what did they use to communicate with each other? Did they have to travel by horse to go, you know, to go talk to their next, you know, printer, uh, pigeons? I, I, that kind of fascinates me because we have all the technology technology we need to communicate with people and sometimes we still can't get that message across you know but these guys were willing to do whatever they had to do ride by horse uh, send a pigeon i literally don't mail i don't i don't even know if there was mail back then you know what i'm saying uh but but they found ways to communicate and to to stand together with this to make sure that that they weren't paid less than what they felt they were worth so just on 
communication alone, I give him props. I mean, it, being the first strikers of America is one thing, but you know, just how they communicated that to stand together. That's, that's kind of what fascinates me even more so. But now, now let's get to the actual strike. Now, while it wasn't officially stated that this is what they were paid, there was kind of a an agreement and, and it was accepted in the industry that, you know, the, these journeymen in the printing business would be paid $6 a week. Um, but during this time, it looked like there was a a decrease in the cost of living. And, you know, for those who, who don't know, even, even today, when there is a decrease in the cost of living, employers will use that as an opportunity to try to pay you less. And this is what happened in 1786 to the printers. They said, hey, it doesn't cost as much for you to live in the city anymore, so why should I have to pay you as much? And just imagine you're kind of, your boss telling you that right now. Like, these guys weren't having it. You know what I'm saying? They, they, you know, they, they, they felt they were worth $6 a week. And what they were trying to do, it looked like they were trying to reduce that $6 a week to about four thirty-three a week. So I would say that's about a little over 25%. Imagine your boss just told you right now, hey, it doesn't cost that much to live here anymore, so I'm going to reduce your pay by 25%. Like, do you really feel like that's okay? Like, would you really accept that? What would you do if your boss came to you and told you that? You know what I'm saying? So, so that's how it started. And, you know, soon, soon after these guys started getting together and I said, no, we ain't having it. We, they started communicating by pigeon or by horse. I don't know. They started saying that they, they were organizing. They began to organize and, and, and they were going to withhold their labor to make sure that they maintain their pay. Now this strike only lasted for about 10 days. Uh, from May 31st to June 10th of 1786. But it was a successful strike. Um, they were able to withhold that labor, maintain their wages, and a large part of that success is due to the fact that the outside workers, a.k.a. the scabs, did not step in to replace the striking printers. Uh, I, it seems like there was a little bit of uh, respect for the the OG printers, I guess you would call them, uh, that these scab workers respected so much that they were like, dude, we don't even want to piss them off. So, you know, nowadays, man, anyone will undercut you for, for, for a dollar. So that's, that's kind of where we're at right now with America. That, that's what sucks is a lot of these strikes, it's, it's hard enough to, to get a strike to, to, to legally get a strike going, let alone to get it to be successful. And even then, you still have scabs willing to just undercut you and, and sell their labor for, what, maybe half as much, 25% less than what you're willing to do it for. And, and that sucks, man, because that's, man, that's, you know, uh, I'm not going to get into that right now, but it sucks that there are people willing to do that. I understand people want to put, you know, food in their family's mouth and all that, but Come on, man. There's a bigger picture here. We're all we're all trying to we're, we're trying to raise what our labor is worth, not lower it. And when people come in and undercut what we're trying to do and what we're trying to stand for, 
they're hurting everybody. They're not only hurting the person that they're undercutting, they're hurting that whole industry. So, but, you know, off my pedestal and now let's get back to the story. So the scab workers didn't intervene. Uh, they respected the vets. And it, it also helped that these workers, um, the printers that were on strike, they, they lived near where they were striking. They either lived in the town or if they didn't, they, they stayed in an inn near the town and they were able to protect their work that way too. I mean, it's kind of hard to protect your work if you live, I don't know, 5, 10, 15 miles away. But if you're living right there by, like, I, I don't know if they actually picketed or not. I don't know how they withheld their labor. Um, I, I don't imagine that they had picket signs back then. Um, again, not really the technology, but yeah, picket signs are a real big, big technology, huh? But I'm telling you, 1786, I mean, they're printers, I guess. I don't know, but it's, they protected it. Whatever, however they did this, other than just being there, they protected their work. Now, just a little known fact about this strike, it, it, it does look like Benjamin Franklin did play a role in this strike. Um, it doesn't look like he was an active participant in it. But I, 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 as the chief executive of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, and you know him being in the printing business himself, he, he did have a vested interest in the well-being of, of his industry. Uh, he, he believed in these guys being happy, being paid fairly, and he, he, he did believe that this would ultimately be good for, for everybody in the business. Um, he, he did, again, he wasn't actively participant, an active participant, but he did allow these guys to, to organize and use his home for meetings. So, you know, that, that's a little something I learned about Benjamin Franklin, you know, while, while learning this stuff. Um, he ultimately, after the strike, it, it, he, he was very active in helping these guys really organize and, 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 and kind of help make sure that these guys were on the right track going forward. And, you know, we all know, you know, what Benjamin Franklin was a part of in history. And this is just kind of an, another thing he helped. He helped America's first strike become successful. That kind of, you know, that, again, that, I found that fascinating. So um, th that's that's it for this episode. Uh, hope, hope <laughs> I hope you guys are getting something from this. I hope you guys like it. Hope you guys learning something. I find it fascinating as hell, and even if you don't, man, I'm I'm learning stuff while I'm doing this. So, as I said, I got my next episode ready to go. I just got to record it. Um, I just kind of wanted to use this one to set up everything that's coming, because because the other stories are. I'm going to get a little bit more in detail with the with the next stories um, coming up, and, and they really are fascinating. They really do kind of start setting the baseline of what unions have achieved for us that really started setting the path for us as workers today and uh i, I hope you guys stay tuned uh, uh check out the next episode it, it i should be able to put that one up sooner than i normally do with these things but uh you know check it out uh again thanks for listening hope you listen to the next one and i'm out